Are you an early years or primary teacher? Are you keen to reflect on your professional development as a classroom practitioner? Are you keen to get something published in an educational journal? If so, the National Association for Primary Education is looking for submissions for the Rosemary Evans Bequest Award 2023. Deadline is the 1st of December and has an award for £800. To find out more details, go to nape.org.uk. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Great to be back with you as always. And a really big shout out to those people who've come to watch the Education on Fire show over on YouTube. We're live there every Tuesday. It was a chance for us to be able to interact, um, for you to share the things that you're doing, for me to interview people, but also be able to then show pictures and videos and things as well. So yeah, do check that out if you've not looked already. If you go to educationonfire.com forward slash YouTube, it'll take you to the channel and you can check out all the live videos that are there already for you to watch. Now today I'm talking to Matthew Tiplin. Back when Matt was an Ofsted inspector, he decided that something drastic needed to change in the way that we both judged and developed teachers. Teacher CPD was always something that was done to teachers and not done by them. The lesson observations were disruptive, costly and ineffective. He set about creating a more supportive teacher-led CPD programme as a senior leader in a multi-academy trust and has brought that passion and experience to his role at OnView Learning. OnView Learning is a 360-degree video lesson capture system that helps teachers reflect, collaborate and analyse their entire teaching and learning process. It creates a community space where teachers can share best practice and learn easily with their coaches and peers. Matt is a founding fellow of the Charter College of Teaching, has a master's degree in education and a national professional qualification for executive leadership. He is also passionate about music and literature and is a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with a different look at Teacher CPD. Hi Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's great to have such a wide range of conversations and it's great to speak to somebody who has this breadth of information and support from an inspector, from a teacher's point of view, from a CBT point of view, and then also, you know, being able to have a solution of how we can improve that as well. So yeah, thanks so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. It's a privilege. So we should, we should, we should start with that history um, base, I think, in terms of as soon as people hear Ofsted inspector, they, they have a <laughs> preconceived idea of what that is, either from yeah. an external point of view or from their experiences within a school. So talk, just take us through that sort of professional background and give us sort of that sort of run up to where you are now. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for the question. I mean, for, for me, getting into teaching was really a, a, a consequence of trying to figure out a way to do something useful with my degree. You know, I, I was really lucky. I went to a great school, went to a great university, and, and I wanted to use that. You know, I was very much always one of these people, still am, you know, it's kind of use and application, if you like, of the stuff that I pick up as I go. I try and I try and do something useful with it. And, and becoming a teacher was a really natural fit. I, I loved it. You know, I was very very fortunate throughout my career to work with great people and in some really great places um and i'd, I'd been teaching at a school in southwest london uh for about nine and a half years uh, and i got to a stage in my career where i just thought you know i, I want to get to know the sector better um and how better to do that than gain you know massive exposure very very quickly to a range of different schools many of which i'd never experienced you know in terms of context you know 
uh, you know, all, all of those different great places around London where I was based as a as an Ofsted inspector uh, that have you know their own unique challenges, their own combinations of different challenges, and you know, children with uh, particular needs and from different backgrounds. It was just a terrific and very very steep learning curve for me uh, while applying, you know, what was at the time the inspection framework. I got to meet some great people, you know. Uh, the the HMI team in London at the time, I'm sure it still is the case, but yeah, they came from all different uh, kind of education backgrounds, a range of different experiences, and everybody brought something uh, really unique to the table. And I just, I was just like a sponge. I tried to be anyway, just absorbing as much as I possibly could uh, from all of these other really experienced people around me. And you know, I was, I was yeah the most inexperienced person in the room. Uh, when I started and it you know it's just kind of awe-inspiring looking around at these folks that had done various different things uh, in in and around the sector and had chosen to come into you know the civil service ultimately to to try and affect change in a slightly different way through the inspectorate um, and you know fun- fundamentally for me it got to a point where I wanted to then do something further with what I was learning you know analyzing things pretty quickly the way in which schools run what makes them ebb and flow yeah, the so what difference is being made to, to those children who have that one opportunity to go through the school system that we have at the moment, given you know, it works on a batch system, you know, uh, by age, um, you know, how, how do we do something about what we now know? Um, and so I decided to then leave Ofsted um, as, a, as a contracted employee and, and moved into the world of multi-academy trust and then uh, more latterly special educational needs. Um, prior to, to moving out altogether and doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, at every step along the way, I've just been really lucky, you know, quite honestly. I've just been really fortunate to work with uh, just a range of really awesome people who who all shared, you know, one, you know, unapologetically shared one very, very driven, focused goal, uh, you know, getting it right for children so that their opportunity to learn uh, is grasped taken advantage of and they can go on and do something awesome for themselves in the future as well um, which sounds and it sounds kind of jargonistic or cliche when I say it out loud but it really was as simple as that I was just I've spent the whole time trying to figure out what platforms I can best be useful on um, and so I found myself here <laughs> <laughs> and and I think it sounds to me that we sort of share that sort of sort of bird's eye view of things as, as someone who was doing music workshops in schools you know I traveled mm. around the country and and you get to see, like you say, there's like a common thread, which is the, the child at the centre of everything that's going on. So the approach yeah. in one school has to be different than the approach in another school or even the approach within schools, like you say, depending on the needs of any given child and the circumstances any school finds them in. And it's only yeah. then, like you say, you start to realise it's it's not one size fits all. It's not this is the solution. It's the here's a, like I say, a collection of tools, a collection of understanding, support that we can do. And from that, each individual teacher or school or organisation can then go, oh, yeah, that's going to really help me in, in my sort of progression going forward. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, the, that's the, both the wonderful thing about it, you know, it being the system, the sector, the way in which children go about learning, the way in which adults affect change in that manner. But it's also the, the source of the single greatest challenge, which is how do you apply, you know, a, a policy and a framework and a, and a system to to a, to a construct that is is full of you know, regular human beings uh, who each have their their aims and their ambitions and their needs and their wants and and everything in between um, and and the focus of our work in the education sector 
you know, working with you know the, the very young through to the slightly older, all of whom are learning this stuff for the first time um, in an environment where there are no do-overs. You know, it's it's yeah, the, the system is a high-stakes kind of environment where, where it feels like that, where you know things really do matter. And you know, when when schools are faced with the range of challenges they are at the moment, just environmentally and contextually around finance and other things that are changing maintaining that focus on the children at the centre of everything that's going on, I think is actually the surest pathway to to just getting things done in the best possible way for them, you know, avoiding the noise where, where you possibly can. And I know it's easier said than done, but those areas of focus are the bits that will make the greatest difference. And I think for me, you sort of, you hit the nail on the head when it's, when you sort of come to the, the, the thing that, there's lots of noise going on there's lots of things happening um and and also children are doing this for the first time and it's very easy when you're a mature teacher or you're somebody Mm. that's done it multiple times over because you know while it's different each time there's a repetition involved in an understanding and skills gained as you go through and i think realizing that but it's the first time for this child and also then jumping into the fact that it's the first time that I'm doing it in this way, in this way with these children, that kind of changes the dynamic of that as well. And it seems to me that, that the work that you're now doing probably kind of has that in the centre of, of how it works. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm in a really lucky position again right now where, you know, I'm working for a business whose, whose vision is around creating an unbroken chain of excellent teaching that children can experience anywhere in the world, you know. Uh, children have the right to learn, uh, we, I believe, strongly. And um, how that's delivered and, and, and the, the various different kind of ways in which that can happen obviously vary from state to state, country to country and region by region. But fundamentally, children having that access to, to yeah, the way in which they're going to interact with the world around them is really important. And within within OnView Learning, what we have is a, an ed tech at our, at our fingertips that allows you know, the adults at the centre of that experience who are leading those learning experiences to really think about things uh, on self-reflection and proactively, that only they're really going to have the true lens through which to view and observe that, you know, to really understand, well, what did I mean? What was I thinking when I did this or that activity? And, you know, I didn't spot that then, but, you know, next time I'll just bear that in mind. And, you know, those little kind of, again, to use the jargon, but tweak to transform kind of uh, insights, I suppose, can be incredibly powerful and you know one, one of your previous guests in fact your, your most previous guest mentioned that they didn't really kind of um and I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing but they kind of learned how to learn after they'd been through formal schooling i found a very similar experience you know as once i'd finished once i started training to be a teacher things started to click around right so this if i'm going to affect this change on you know in, in a group of young people then I really need to get this in a slightly different way first. Being able to go through that process is really time consuming. And what we try to do is, is look at how we can do that in a different way. Fantastic. So let's jump into that. So for those people who haven't come across OnView Learning before, take mm. us into a little bit of a history about the company, what it is that you provide, how it works and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, OnView Learning is actually a dead simple idea. It was born out of the, the premise that if you can see and hear it for yourself, you're likely to be able to do something about it. Um, and, and what we have within our vision of creating that unbroken line of, of really excellent teaching and expert teaching is a, is a, that is a mechanism through our cloud-based dashboard and, and hard, hardware, you know, end-to-end solution. 
that enables teachers, their peers, their coaches, you know, whomever's a part of that professional learning experience to really see and understand what's going on inside classrooms. You know, very recently, um, we've done some work with Sam Sims, Kate Forbes and Josh Goodridge around, you know, getting inside the the otherwise invisible black box of instructional coaching in that in that case. And while we found some challenges around certain aspects, what we really found was being able to see here and understand in the round holistically what's really occurring, you know, both through the eyes of the young people and the eyes of the teacher and the TA and the learning support assistant, what that really felt like. And not just that lesson, but a whole series or a whole series of 30 second snippets. You'd really begin to see themes and patterns that you don't have to do something, you know, um, absolutely monumental about. It's not a high stakes environment. You just have to do something really tiny. Uh, just remember to do that that next time. Or ask that question at that point. And all of a sudden, the learning takes on a completely different direction. And Onvi Learning enables that. You know, it's a cloud-based platform with a 360 fisheye camera that allows you to really kind of zoom in and see. I'm doing a hand gesture, useless for a podcast. I get that. But, you know, <laughs> you can begin to see and hear what's going on in different parts of the classroom. And the most important aspect of it is it's teachers in control of that. You know, they're the ones that get that footage, can see, understand, and then seek help on their terms because of what they've spotted. You know, I thought that was going to happen, but this happened here. And, you know, in my experience as a teacher, you know, when, when I was going through and, and receiving observation feedback, it was always really, really helpful, but it was always quite isolated to what happened to be the lesson that could be observed or what happened to have occurred in that lesson or just the points in the year or the three periods that happened to marry up. And as a consequence, with the best will in the world, you're seeing something that isn't quite what it would have been otherwise. And then, of course, you put a third party in the room and what you're seeing is something completely different altogether uh, because you're affecting that change. So we're, we're seeking to hit a few birds, you know, if you like, with one stone uh, through the use of our, our, our solution. But what we're ultimately aiming for is a sense of you know, authentic and genuine insight out of this information that would otherwise go completely to waste on the part of the teacher. So that sort of bird's eye view, like like you mm. say, like I say, it gives you a perspective that you can't have in any other way. Like I say, even if it's been fed back by somebody else, because like you say, mm. each each added part of the environment changes the environment. So therefore it makes perfect sense about that. How does it feel from the people involved knowing that there's you know there's recordings going on is there kind of a a learning curve of experience to kind of think i guess in that big brother kind of way it's like yeah. i'm being recorded i'm i'm on show i'm presenting and and how that changes over time in order for it to be a very natural thing that you just forget about and it just sort of is there all the time yeah yeah you're absolutely right and it's, it's a really good it's a really good question because you know part of what um on learning offers is different to you know an alternative to an observer you know a narrow field of view or, or, or some other you know from one, one single direction and so the environment that we can create is, is a very different one and you know what we have a number of you know technical and uh, me mechanistic kind of um, functions within our platform so that there is no ability for third parties to just observe because they fancy it or, or the, the big brother spying on people but from a hearts and minds point of view, which I think is where, where you're coming from with this, it does take people a little while to get used to it. You know, in the same way that, you know, when, you know, when 
one of the first times I did formal public speaking that was recorded. It was probably my wedding speech or something. And I remember thinking, crikey, you know, I'm on, I'm on camera in front of, you know, friends and family, and I'm going to be able to watch this back and I'm going to know everything that wasn't quite right or everything that I could have done just mm-hmm. a bit differently. And so overcoming that, that kind of fear factor, if you like, around, you know, self-reflexing on, on what is mine and what's really important to me uh, is definitely part of the journey that, that we, we encourage people to go on and that we that fundamentally we support. Because once people get through that initial kind of, oh, you know, do I want to watch myself? Am I going to see something that I'm not quite keen on? What quickly begins to happen, we found, is that people start to kind of uh, you know, fade that out and focus in on, well, actually, that's quite interesting. I didn't notice, actually, that that young person in the, you know, the back left they've actually been sat there for this half term, but on reflection, have they always kind of been doing that when I've been doing this? Or have they always been down in the front right? Have they always been the first one to, you know, get right on it, which means that, you know, in answering a question, they raise their hand and I miss the person after. So what we've, what we found is that that sense of difference and, oh, yeah, this isn't the same as having a third party in the room where, we're kind of aware of what's going on there's kind of a negotiation that occurs around that this is a very different kind of environment and we're finding that the outcome is far more powerful than those initial teething problems but they're really valid as well you know yeah I've given it a go myself you know I did a a, you can actually see it on our website a really weird walk around just on my own in in a a classroom of one of our partner schools just to demonstrate some of the features it was very tongue-in-cheek in retrospect and I had that same initial feeling, you know, so I thought, okay, so I'm going to talk to myself in this case and kind of walk around the room and identify some really important points. And then what do I do next? And then I went back and had other people view that and went through a self-reflection process. And having been through an, an analogy of the same kind of experience, I really get that first step. But, you know, once folks get through it, they tell us they, they just don't look back. And and in terms of the, the amount of stuff, is it every hour of every day in every classroom? How how does that setup work? You know what? It, it's it's really not. It's very important that it's down to whatever the user, the, the teacher, the coach, the school, the trust are hoping to achieve. So in some cases, you know, the the schedule of recording is, you know, standard school day. In other cases, it's every Tuesday morning between ten and eleven, and just a cyclical ba- rolling basis. Because, you know, different folks, different strokes, you know, ultimately some some teacher users are looking to just reflect on how they get on with a particular stage or age of teaching learning or a particular um, subject area. Uh, and in other cases, they're looking at things a little bit more holistically, perhaps looking at routines or perhaps looking across different subjects or different times in the week at different with different teachers looking at supporting a particular, uh, you know, special educational need. Um, so we're finding there's no one way, which is, is kind of nice because that was the original intention behind OnView Learning is you do it your way and we're here to help that. We have no intention of telling you how to do it. Yeah, I really like that. And I was just sort of reflecting on on some of the sort of the similar things that I experienced, you know. So I think as of our recording time, I think I 351 episodes are live now or something. And <laughs> I remember those first few. <laughs> um, and um and of course, that's then going to make a difference looking back now, you know, sort of 300 episodes later. And mm. I think the thing that the repetition does is obviously, like you say, it makes you better at what you're doing. But it also mm. gives you a kind of a benchmark for what your norm is. Um, and, and from there, you can kind of make those decisions based on 
on a collection of data rather than just that one off. And um, and it was something that um, a musical director who mentioned to us, we were touring around the UK, so we're doing eight shows a week. And we're like, oh, that show was brilliant and that show was not so good and whatever. He said, it's like eight shows a week. We're aiming for that kind of 85, 90%. Our base level is really, really good. You're always going to have something that sparks something brilliant. You're always going to have some the odd show for whatever reason isn't quite so good but you kind of work out that this is the base level which is fantastic for almost anybody that's going to take part but you kind of know the inflections within that and i guess that's the same sort of thing when you've seen yourself a number of times going through this was one of those days this child was having this particular issue but i know that over the course of this term if we take that as an example Mm. my my base rate was this and this is really good and i can make those changes that i want to to support myself and that cpt going on but i'm not going to give myself a hard time like you say because it's high stakes and it was this thursday afternoon where my career was sort of on the line when someone was was just observing you're you're absolutely right and because around the whole professional development piece there are so many kind of bolt-on issues around, you know, the framework in which we operate, the regulations within which schools operate, the the, the expectation that we have on ourselves, that others have on us, and, and so on and so forth. But cutting through all that, you know, you have an environment within a classroom where you have the opportunity to do something really great every time. Within, as you've just described, your, your kind of normal high expectation as a teacher of these children who are going through that class or year group for the very first time. So they've got no idea what to expect. You know, they'll have a sense of what you're going to be learning and you're going to do this topic or that, but they're not going to know that that's the way in which you intended it. I mean, most of the time as a teacher, I didn't exactly know how, what was going to come out of my mouth. You know, I had a rough plan and, and everything else. And it is that sense of being able to, I think, as a teacher, give yourself a break while also looking for the opportunities just to tweak things as you go. And, you know, picking up on your example, Mark, you know, that, that idea of having eight shows over the course of a period of time, isn't it great to then have the opportunity to then say, you know what, within this proportion, this is what works and we can now see why. And this is what may could have been just a tiny bit better, not like game changing better, but just a tweak to transform something and why and just have real precision. And it change, what we're hoping to do is change some of the language around what it means to develop professionally continuously as a teacher so rather than it being well i thought this do you agree to to use an extreme you know what do you notice here or you did this just talk me through that and then the conversation ensues as opposed to you know guess what's in my head right now let's focus on what we're hoping to achieve by formal aim and objective We, we hope to just turn that conversation on its head and you know it's going to be a really exciting journey i think and so just take us into kind of that sort of user experience in terms of you, mm. you mentioned the dashboard and that kind of thing. What, what's it like from a teacher's point of view in terms of getting access to the recordings and how they sort of work yeah. with that? And then and then also, like you say, that sort of um, conversational idea of peer to peer or however the, you can then take that forward in terms of sort of making it part of your school environment as well. So what, what we've aimed to do is make it as simple as possible. So you log on to OneView Learning through a regular web browser, you know, Google Chrome or, or Microsoft Edge, you know, for example. And what, once you're in, um, you're then faced with basically your timetable worth of recordings. Um, the you know, Click on one of those and you'll see what's there at the time, what's going on in the room. And if you like, you can see within your, uh, if you can picture, say, a YouTube video style setup, you can view your video recording, which starts off as that kind of typical fisheye, slightly warped version of a circle. Uh, and then using your, your mouse, you just 
we call it de-warping, you kind of zoom in and move around the room and you can open up up to four of those different uh, or four of the same screen from the same source video and have a look at different parts of the room. So you might zoom into yourself as the teacher first and say, okay, you know, how, how was my positioning? I, I was giving this delivery on, uh, I was a geography teacher, so I was introducing hurricanes to A-level students for the first time. I was going through a few bits and bobs. How was my exposition on that? But then you can also then open a couple of additional window screens on the same window and say, okay, the back left, I thought they weren't quite uh, kind of on task. Were they? Oh, actually they were, but they're just learning in that particular way. And what I should have gotten already, I should have realized that, you know, when they're learning, they actually kind of put their heads down or they're, they're kind of thinking. So they're not staring blankly. They're really engaged in their own way. Whereas on the right hand side, you've got, got a group of children that behave quite differently. Uh, and you can begin to piece that together. So the dashboard itself is, is very straightforward. And, you know, you can identify key moments uh, in that in that recording. So you don't have to kind of fast forward backwards and forwards like an old cine camera, you know, uh, to, to find the things that really matter. And then you can create clips of, you know, 30 seconds to 30 minutes. It really doesn't matter. It's whatever suits you around that moment. So, yeah, you know what? We noticed this. Uh, a, a guy in, in a school up in Birmingham, he, um, I say up in Birmingham because I'm based in the south, but, you know, uh, yeah, he, he, he was using it to take a look at the start of a year nine history class. And he said, right, this Wednesday I did it this way. The next Wednesday I did it this way. I noticed this. And it was a dead subtle thing around just the right question at the right time within the first 30 seconds of that class. That was it. it, it you know, as show and tells go, it was really effective. It was great that he could see I did this tiny thing and made this big difference. And the rest of the lesson went as it did. We didn't have to watch any of that because he was happy with it. And that was good enough. Yeah, I love that. And I love, I think more and more as you start to hear these kind of stories that CPD is literally at your fingertips all the time whether you're listening to mm. something whether you're, you're like say you're using on view learning whatever it happens to be there's an ongoing way of just morphing and ebbing and flowing with everything that you're doing it's such a different idea that i'm going to think about what i'm doing for the first time on monday the first sort of day back after the summer holidays or whenever the yeah. session happens yeah. to be and i think then you kind of feel like you're not just sort of going from one step to the next because you're actually able to be on a continual journey which is both i think supportive for you and also your pupils as well uh, I, th I think so and you know the the lovely thing is it's that continuous in in cpd rather than you know kind of staggered set piece which i mean some of that staggered set piece professional development really has its place to provide framework and provide structure and evidence-based uh, kind of content and, and so on. But the ability to routinely in, in time that suits rather than the time that you're given, mm. you know, just take a look, check it out. And it might be that you do, you do that once a week for 30 seconds, because that's the thing that you're keen to look at. That 30 seconds is going to be worth it to the children that suddenly get an even better experience with you the next time round. Um, and in terms of, sort of the recording and, and, and the mm. audio and that kind of thing. Does it matter what the environment is? I mean, are you able to pick up everything? You know, if you're going to be in a hall and it's a musical related thing, for example, as opposed to just a, what you consider a traditional classroom, or you're able to take it outside in any way if you're doing an outdoor learning thing? How does that kind of work? So at the moment, our limitation is to the outdoors. Um, but, you know, in, in famous words, you know, we're working on that um, <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. The, the issue with outdoors, as you'll be aware, Mark, that doing this, uh, it's just uh, audio quality because you hear the, the wind and, and, and everything else that's going on. So we're looking at all of that kind of thing. 
But indoors, yeah, it's effectively any space. So in, in one of our long-standing partner schools, uh, again in Birmingham, actually, Aston University Engineering Academy, they have um, two OnView learning cameras set up in, a, if you like, a double-length DT, um, DT room. Um, and then in other traditional classrooms, you know, you'd have the one the one camera microphone set up, but they, they sync and so, and so it works. Uh, but the idea is we want you to be able to see and hear everything that's going to be useful uh, to you. And, and you as the, the teacher in charge of your recordings, if you like, you're, you have ultimate say over what you think is useful. And that's the really cool starting point, you know, in terms of you know, feeling empowered around, you know, I, I just want to take a look at this today or this week. And, you know, I get that, you know, the rest of the school are looking at X, Y or Z. But for me, this I know is going to make the difference. So I'm not going to, you know, rail against the machine or anything like that. But I'm going to do something that's just going to you know, help me out in a really particular way. But yeah, it, in terms of the audio and the video, uh, you know, we, we've got a whole load of technical guides on how to fit things in just such a way. But you can see and hear everything using the setup in a manner that then allows you that that kind of genuine insight, I suppose. And for those people that sort of buy into it and, and, and make the most of it, how, how does it work from a costing point of view um, mm. and, and those sort of practical things? Because there'll be people there thinking that's great. And I need, you know, I want one camera. I need 20 cameras. I need 100 cameras <laughs> with yeah, this amount yeah. of time. So, so just sort of talk us through that sort of practical side of things. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're really careful with this because we recognise, A, within the sector, under the kind of financial conditions that, that, that the sector finds itself in, and I'm chair of governors for a community primary school as well, so kind of know the, the financial challenges pretty well um, from, from that perspective. You know, we, we've been very kind of price sensitive around what the market can can do, um, and we, we basically price on the basis of the more rooms, the lower the price per room that you set up. Uh, unlike uh, some um, kind of license-based software products, we don't actually charge on a per-user basis because the premise of OnView Learning is that you can see, hear, and then collaborate with one another. So we charge on a per-room basis. So as many teachers, as many coaches, line managers, whomever is involved in that environment or that kind of teaching learning uh, space or forum can get involved you know, within that one space. So the, the, the more rooms, uh, the, if you like the, the the better the rate, but really simply, uh, there's no there's no one model. You know, we've got a couple of schools that have set up one room uh, partly as a trial, but also because that's the way they want to do things in, if you like, a teaching learning room kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got uh, another customer that's just set up in in every one of their their classrooms in a primary school, and that that sense of being able to fit what the local context is asking for. Uh, has been a really important starting point for OnView Learning because while our, our DNA, if you like, is built out of this idea of uh, avoiding the observer effect and, and being there just in case there's something that you want to go back and reflect on as well as when there's something you definitely want to reflect on, it's also really important that we don't impinge or interfere with the what you're doing. Um, you know, the school is your school. You run it as the teacher. It's your classroom. You're the experts in that. And come and take a look but from a pricing point of view it's very simply uh volume tiering is effectively the thing and then we offer a subscription model where um you never own the hardware it's all leased to us but that that just means what uh, certain things around how we provide support and then similarly we have offer a hybrid model if schools choose that to capitalize the hardware uh but yeah, effectively and then we, we run a license to to the room as well 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I think it's really it's really great to hear that because what it's like I say each if you even just take primary to secondary school, it's going to make a difference. If well, the one thing we know about secondary schools is that people are moving around all the time. You know, in a primary school, you're very sort of classroom centered and with the same children mm. and that kind of thing. So it makes perfect sense that your circumstances are going to dictate what you need, and to be able to be flexible with that, of course, is is definitely going to be really really helpful. It is. And and of course, folks in schools right now have to consider value uh, in a slightly different way to five years ago. And that's going to extend beyond just the price. It's going to look at, you know, involve. So what are we going to get out of it? What kind of cost could we save? Because you can obviously use this platform across multiple sites within a multi-academy trust forum. Um, So, you know, there, there are a range of different ways to think it through. But I think your point's a really valid one. So in terms of your school experience, is there a teacher you remember or a situation that you uh, had an impact? And and I'm always keen to sort of hear that sort of with that sort of perspective of kind of, you know, you've been through education in terms of Mm. being a teacher that um, where you are now and uh, obviously an inspector as well. So sort of with those sort of hats on, was that experience something you were able to support (laughs) support yourself with, as it were, and sort of reflect on? It's a really interesting question. Um, it's a hard one as well, because, you know, it, I think that the nature of teaching is a little bit different to, to the way it was when, when I was at school. And, you know, the, the great teachers that I remember, uh, you know, my geography teachers at GCSE and A-level, for example, were just amazing because they opened mine and, and the other folks in the class's eyes to the way in which the world was working at the time, or at least the way we thought it was working at the time. And and those teachers, you know, Mr. Higgs and Miss Ozzles, uh, you know, they, they were just amazing at encouraging us to think for ourselves and also challenging some of our preconceptions because, you know, we, we were in a in an all-boys grammar school in, in South London with a particular view of the world given, you know, wh- where we were living and, and that kind of thing. Um, and th- these guys really challenged some of our, our preconceived ideas around, you know, what our futures might entail, what we could go on to achieve, why we need to think about things differently in the here and now and how we could start to make a change. Um, and obviously, I mean, they both had those two teachers had a massive impact on me personally because I went on to become a geography teacher ultimately because, you know, that they inspired me to, to try and achieve something close to what they did with me for, for the, the guys I taught, you know, down the line. Yeah, and that's um, it's a really sort of impactful story that then, isn't it? Like you say, that ability to kind of, it's a, it's about you. It's about the individual, and like you say, it happens to be that geography was your vehicle, um, in, in that point of view. But, and like you say, the teaching style and that might be different now or or you know the way that you go about it because the world is different now than it was like say last year let alone 5 10 15 20 years ago but what it is the the essence of what they were doing i guess is the thing that becomes the center part of that you know you're affecting you're exploring you're opening doors opening eyes to kind of like say make you think about what it is that you want what you believe why you believe how it goes against maybe your preconceived ideas and and those fundamentals stay the same sort across the sort of um time generally absolutely and, and and they cared i mean i think that's that's critical for for any teacher is is really conveying a sincere sense that you know you're in it with those kids that are going through it for the first time and that they're the bits that we touched on earlier on um and and why that's important to them as as much as as for you um you know i think there's there's an inherent risk in teaching that as you go through the cycle year after year you can kind of become the journeyman in that in that adventure and of course the 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 kids are 
yeah, actually, and and you're going through and you're you're delivering, you know, in my case, geography content, tweaking it for whatever changes in you know plate tectonics or whatever the topic may be, but you know, fundamentally, still delivering something in a manner that allows them the opportunity to do what you've taken advantage of. Yeah. I love that. And, and, I, and I think that journey as well, because, of course, you as a human, let alone a teacher, are <laughs> different this year than last year. You know, like you say, whether you visited somewhere over the course of the year, been on holiday, got married, had kids, um, whatever life experience it happens to be, you're going to show up as a slightly different person. And, you know, while you're not sharing your life story every day, I think just sort of that understanding of allowing yourself to be a fully rounded human being that comes across. And that's where that human connection kind of really sort of gets going, I think. Mm. Um, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given or indeed is there a piece of advice you might now give a, a younger Matt looking back and I do always slightly <laughs> prem- <laughs> mention the fact that of course as a younger person we may not have taken that on board but I still think the, imp- the, the input's important yeah, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a really good question yeah as a teacher you know the advice that I'd give, give myself I think it would boil down to enjoy it while you're doing it um you know teaching i I love being a teacher you know even now if i'm given the opportunity or if um you know a friend asked me to just support their their son or daughter with with something they're looking at i still get a little bit of a kick out of that a bit of a buzz because you know it kind of takes me back to to what i started off doing and you know and i I really do i love i love the subject as well i I love the idea of getting to know the way in which the world is working and having that lens through which to try and understand this kind of the chaos around us so i think enjoy it because there's so much in the early days of being a teacher that is is kind of institutionally driven and and timetable driven and planning driven and form driven and and so on which yeah, just saying it, it can sound you know, like a real downer, but, you know, all of those things are really significant and important to support you down the line. But in the moment, it can feel as if that's the thing that dominates what being a teacher is. It can almost define what being, I, I remember, you know, sitting down in one of the early days when I was training to be a teacher down in Kent and thinking, wow, this has got to be more to it than writing forms of what I think I'm going to do. Because I know that when I turn up, I'm going to do it a bit differently anyway. So, you know, what's the point? And it took me a while to realise that I know that this isn't the script. It's more like an aid memoir. You know, it's given me the waypoints. Um, and, and, you know, an analogy was shared with me in the early days that I was reflecting on just before this is, you know, teaching's a bit like being a pilot because you kind of take off, you cruise, and then you land in any given lesson. And obviously, it was, it was linked to a three-part lesson as well, which is somewhat showing, showing my age. But it, it only struck me a few years after that was first shared with me how kind of inaccurate that analogy is. Because, of course, with an aeroplane, you, you're dependent as the pilot on a whole team of ground crew and a whole team behind you in, in the cabin and a whole team of other people that are just keeping you going in the right direction and a whole team of experts in the background that are fulfilling the service functions. And when I realized that, it made me realize teaching wasn't quite so, you know, as a, such a lonely experience as it could be or a lonely profession where you're writing your plan, doing your evaluation, and then periodically you'll be observed doing the thing that you really love doing and then being told whether or not you're any good at it. Because actually you're, you're part of this bigger thing uh, that, you know, I suppose is what's kind of led me that that view has kind of led me down the path I've gone on. 
Yeah, and, and that, I really love that because, like you say, you can, from all those experiences you've talked about from your sort of professional um, learning point of view, um, all of them are really important because without one, you wouldn't have got to the next one. Without the understanding mm. of it, you wouldn't have done that. And also, you kind of, like you say, you feel where your passions are, where you can add more value, how you can create it within a life that you want to, to do it as well. And like I say, when you feel like it's not just you on your own, in which one of those mm. things, we're all part of a community. And depending on where you are on any given day, let alone whatever part of your career that's going to be, it's going to make a big, a big difference. So, yeah, really, really important there. Mm. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And it can be from the professional side or the personal side, but anything yeah. from a podcast, a book, video, song, but something that's had a bit of an impact. Oh, God. You know, I mean, currently, um, yeah, it took me ages to get into podcasts. And I'd actually been listening to a, a radio show for years on Radio 4 called The Infinite Monkey Cage, which has been kind of... It, it, it helped me with my, with my view on things, I suppose, because I mean, if, if folks have never heard it, yeah, it's... You know, um, Brian Cox and Robin Ince, and they, they talk about, you know, what comes to mind from a, a kind of scientific point of view. And they combine, you know, really, if you like, serious topics with a really great sense of humor. And I love that combination of being able to kind of address some, at points, you know, at times, really thorny or really complicated kind of ideas that shape the way in which we live and go about doing things. And then add a dose of humor just to level things and remind us, you know, actually, it's not that thing isn't the be all and end all and you know we can have an opportunity to to learn and you know for me that that's always been really important is is having that ability if you're giving it i suppose to just take a step back and look at it look at things in the rounds um and realize that you know what this feels pretty pretty heavy right now pretty important right now um and it might well be that tomorrow i'll reflect on it and it will be a little bit better or a little even more better you know, even greater and and we can we can kind of move on so as podcasts go i, I definitely recommend that one because it's great as well as obviously this one um but from a slightly more serious point of view i mean i, I was given um, i was given a carol dweck's book um you know fairly early on in my career mindset and you know growth mindset is often used in in education and business and all kinds of different environments as kind of a a tagline to you know think differently and and look for opportunity you know the 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 book i'm looking to my left because it's, it's just on it's still on my shelf here it was kind of game-changing for me you know in that sense of it articulates in a really clear and simple manner you can think like this but you'll pre you'll present yourself with limitations that you don't have to um and you you can look at things in a slightly different way that doesn't mean living in a kind of a blue sky idealistic fashion but being pragmatic about what you can achieve, but within an environment where you give yourself every chance to succeed. Um, and, you know, I recently finished Matthew McConaughey's autobiography, Green Lights, and it's amazing, you know, the resonance between those messages and his view on, you know, don't do something today that could stop you in the future if you have any ability to shape that is a really powerful, powerful message for me. Um, so, yeah. I, I really love that. And, and I think it ties in so well with what we've spoken about in terms of, you know, each child it's their first time through your class or your your particular part of education you know 
we hear growth mindset all the time so you assume that everyone knows about it well you might have heard the tagline but have you read the book what have you thought about it how does it work within your way um and 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 that idea of you know seeing things in the rounds in that kind of going back to things in, and, and that 360 view which sort of obviously fits mm. so so well in terms of what you're doing sort of, <laughs> yeah, for, i didn't mean it that way no no <laughs> no but but i find it fascinating the way these things you know that, that there, there is always a common thread in there somewhere which is why i quite like these questions in that kind of <laughs> You sort of you sort of see the person in, in the reality of life coming through in so many different facets. Like I say, purposeful or not, but I I think there's yeah. always a thread somewhere which I find I find really 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 interesting. Um, and so just to to round off, obviously the acronym Fire is important for educational fire, and by that we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What's the one thing that strikes you when you hear that? Oh, well, to an extent, it kind of sums up, I think, the way in which the education sector is operating right now. I mean, particularly within the the, the, the sector that, or the part of the sector I know best around, you know, uh, the, the English education system, you know, the DfE regulated system, because, you know, there, there's so much conversation around the way in which things should be, could be, might be, won't be for a variety of different, uh, you know, socioeconomic, political reasons and and, uh, and all the rest. But again, like we started the conversation off with, at the heart of it, a group of people trying to do their very best every day for a group of children who, for one reason or another, are attending that building for that period of time, you know, trying to learn something so that they are prepared for, for their adult lives, you know, their version of what you're doing right now. So, you know, the, 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 that, that, that acronym, uh, you know, the Feedback, Inspiration, Resilience and Empowerment, it's both what I think the teaching profession wants and needs and has just in varying degrees. Um, and, you know, I know that varies by, you know, the, the, the teacher or teachers that you speak to or, you know, what's going on contemporaneously and, and so on. But, you know, it's such a it's such a critical profession. It's such a fundamental reflection on the way in which society works uh, is teaching as a profession that, there's, frankly, there are just few things more important. I think it fits, you know, the acronym really well. So it's not it's not a person, it's a thing um, in the round. And again, I, I don't mean to sound cliche about it, but I believe it. It's the, it's the reason why, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing right now and, you know, volunteer with, with the school and, and also with an education charity. And, you know, that combination of things happens to be the way in which I'm trying to express it a commitment towards helping teachers and schools achieve what they're trying to do. I, th- I think that acronym really sums it up very well. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate that, and and I and I and I love people's view on on what you get from it as it comes across because it's always slightly different for each person. And I think that's the beautiful thing. Exactly like they say, as we've been talking about in the school, whatever you need as a person, whatever you see, whatever's going on, is reflective of you as an individual. And I think then mm. you feel like you're sort of empowered to to take your next step rather than like you say, there's an answer or a particular thing that you have to be, which is absolutely brilliant. Well, Matt, thank you so much for sharing your input and time and experience and all of those things it's been really brilliant to chat to you just um yeah, tell people you. where they where they can find out more about onview learning and, and and get more information yeah just go to www.onviewlearning.com and check us out on linkedin and twitter as well and thank you so much mark it's been a real pleasure speaking with you oh you too thanks so much and we'll make sure we have links of those things in the show notes as well so you can just go on there and click straight through fantastic great to chat I look forward to keeping in touch and chatting again in the future Thanks, Mark.
Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.